1: Welcome to Checking In. I'm your host, Zara Barnes, Self Magazine's Interim Editor-in-Chief. Every week, people reach out to us with questions and concerns about health and wellness. So I connect with experts and people who have been there before. The goal is to find some answers so the people asking these questions and anyone who's going through something similar all feel a little better. With this stress we've been experiencing lately, it's really no surprise that some people are trying to find a way to work through it. One outlet? Meditation. At the very beginning of the pandemic, mindfulness apps reported about double their usual download numbers. And as people started adjusting to this big change in lifestyle, Fitbit analyzed their health tracking data they found a 2,900% increase in meditation activity worldwide last fall. But even with this boom in popularity, it can be hard to know just where to start a meditation practice, even if you feel like you should. And that's where one of our listeners is at this week.
2: Hi, um, yeah, my name is Nan, and I guess I'm, I want to know what meditation is like this is something that friends and family have recommended that I do you know when I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety my bible belt grandma was like you should really I've heard of this thing called meditation like you need to do it and I guess my basic question is like what is meditation like specifically when I'm sitting there like what what do I do (laughs) you know is the reward in the process of like trying to distance yourself from your thoughts in some way? Is there some state of mind you're trying to achieve? And once you get there, it's like, okay, yes, I've gotten it. You know, especially during the pandemic, I wanna know why meditation? Why is that of all the things that I wanna cultivate into my life, into my daily routines, why meditation? And yeah, how, how is it gonna fit in with the other things that I'm doing? Like, why should this be getting my time?
1: Oh, Nan. I think this is a great question. I've dabbled in meditation, I've tried an app, I've tried to tack it on to the end of my Monday morning yoga, but it just never really stuck. So I'm honestly right there with all of you meditation newbies. I'm wondering if it might be right for me too, but I just haven't figured it out. Luckily, my guests this week are here to help. First, we're going to hear from Carolyn Todd, a health editor here at SELF, and she's going to explain the science and potential health benefits of meditation. Then we'll hear from Christy Peoples, a mindfulness meditation teacher with the app Liberate, which focuses on meditation for people of color. Christy will walk us through how to start a meditation practice, even if you feel like you don't have time for one. So, Carolyn, I am so excited to be doing this interview with you, partly because we've worked together for a couple of years and definitely never done a podcast interview together, so it's a new experience.
0: I know, it's a very new experience. i um, also excited, a little bit nervous, but I think it'll be fun.
1: Carolyn has written a lot about mental health for self. She's covered depression, anxiety, and addiction. And she approaches these big mental health topics through a nuanced lens. Sometimes she even does what I call her signature Carolyn Todd deep dive, where she really digs into the science behind a buzzy subject. That's exactly what she did with meditation a few years ago. Meditation has been around by some estimates since the first century BCE. It's hard to pinpoint exactly where it began, though it has early roots in countries including India, China, and Japan. And a lot of mindfulness practices in the U.S. today are based in Buddhist or Jainist traditions. There are a lot of ways to practice meditation, is my point, which could be why Nan was so confused. In general,
0: it's like an umbrella term to talk about practices that are training your, your mind, your attention, your awareness in a specific way. and you know there are tons of different techniques and traditions and emphases there are ones where you're you're trying to generate feelings of compassion or you're trying to hone concentration and then probably the most popular one that that people mean when they say meditation at least you know today in the US is mindfulness meditation where you're you're really trying to become aware and rooted in the present moment in certain kinds of meditation you're definitely trying to achieve a specific state or uh, generate a certain
1: quality. For this episode, though, we're going to focus on mindfulness meditation. As Carolyn explained to me, this is the form she sees the most interest in here in the US. But people still have a lot of misconceptions about what exactly it means.
0: Mindfulness meditation, you're you're never really trying to like change the experience you're already having. You're just trying to be with it in a way that's more clear or more aware than you have been before. So I think maybe that's a relief for some people is, you know, to be able to like put down this idea of trying to attain something or do something and just kind of be with what's already happening, which we don't do a lot of. We're usually trying to get to somewhere or achieve something or thinking about the next thing as opposed to just really actually being in the moment. You know, a thought pops up and instead of following it down the rabbit hole or resisting it. You know, over-identifying with it and getting immersed in it and going on this whole story, just noticing it and coming back to your anchor point, which is, is often the breath or a certain bodily sensation, because that's always in the present, so it anchors you to the moment.
1: Mindfulness meditation focuses on bringing you back to the present moment, not revisiting something you did in the past or worrying about what might happen in the future. It's not about totally clearing your mind of all thoughts. So now that we have this baseline of what mindfulness meditation is and what it isn't, I wanna get to another part of Nan's
2: question. Going to therapy for my anxiety and things is sort of this therapeutic, like, medicalized idea of meditation. Like, this is going to help me lower my baseline. These breathing techniques or this ability to slow down is going to help me in tense social situations.
1: So, what are the potential health benefits of a meditation practice? This is something Carolyn reported on in her deep dive, so I asked her all about it. I'd say the biggest
0: one is the deactivation of what's called the default mode network in the brain, which is... Basically, what it sounds like, it's the default mode that your your mind is in when you're not purposely practicing something else. You know, just hopping from thought to thought, mind wandering, not even thinking that you're thinking it's scientists see decreased activity in the parts and the pathways that have to do with that network. Default mode network is definitely associated with rumination, which anyone who's, you know, experienced anxiety or depression is very familiar with. It's, you know, going over the same thoughts or the same types of thoughts over and over again, and you know, often in a way that makes you feel more depressed or or more anxious. So being able to kind of intentionally disengage from that can be really helpful.
1: I would love to tell you that these benefits are instant, but unfortunately they're not. The thing is that that's actually okay. That's part of the beauty of it, in my opinion. Slowly through active practice, you're learning how to manage patterns of thinking that take you down those rumination paths. And there's science to back this up. The mindfulness-based stress reduction program was first developed in 1979 by Jon Kabat-Zinn, a molecular biologist and meditation teacher. This program took the teachings of meditation and basically secularized them, which helped turn them into something that researchers could study in a lab. Just a quick aside, I wanted to note that while we're talking about the science and secular approaches to meditation right now, that doesn't mean we're in any way discounting the spiritual and traditional origins of meditation that I touched on earlier. Those can be so important to deepening a meditation practice and to practicing respectfully. We'll be getting into that more later when we talk about how to actually begin meditating. Carolyn told me there are studies linking mindfulness meditation benefits to practically every health condition. But there are also some pretty clear overarching trends when it comes to potential meditation benefits. The ones that have a really big and consistent over time
0: body of evidence are benefits for depression, anxiety, and chronic pain. And then I might add, since reporting on that piece in the last couple years, addiction to that as well.
1: Like anything else, you should read headlines and studies about meditation with an appropriate level of skepticism. Meditation isn't a miracle cure for any and all mental health issues. And I'm going to be totally transparent here. For a small percentage of people, meditation can even have negative mental health effects like increased rumination. With that said, for many others, it can be a powerful tool this is something Carolyn actually knows firsthand.
0: So I started meditating shortly after I wrote that piece for self, you know, having like talked to all these people, explained to me how great it was and seen all the studies myself. And as someone who's dealt with depression and anxiety for many, many years, it was definitely something that was really interesting to me. So I I started meditating that summer. When I started off, I did it mostly on my own I was like I'm going to be really hardcore bare bones and just like sit down with myself for 20-30 minutes and be such a great meditator and I first kind of like scoffed at the idea of using an app for meditation I was like oh well I don't want to incorporate my phone into it but that was definitely a barrier that was worth overcoming because there's some really incredible apps with some of the best teachers in the world
1: Then, Carolyn took a big leap and went to a week-long silent meditation retreat. When I first heard she was doing this, I was in complete awe because talk about investigating your own mind away from all of the usual distractions and excuses. It sounded so useful, but it also sounded terrifying. So I was curious about what that experience revealed to her.
0: Pretty quickly, like start to notice the thoughts you have over and over and over again and yeah it kind of dawned on me that like 90 to 95 percent of the thoughts I was having were about things that hadn't even happened yet or it was like replaying stuff that already happened oh like none of my thoughts are about here and now and that's like so interesting and just something I that had never occurred to me before.
1: Over time, Carolyn's meditation practice has shifted. Instead of being really hardcore like she was when she started out, she's giving herself a bit more grace if she, for example, misses a day. She's even come around on the apps and particularly loves one called 10% Happier. Then the pandemic happened, which also changed Carolyn's meditation practice in a really beautiful way.
0: Yeah, it it became a more, I don't want to say refuge, just like a less judgmental space to be essentially, yeah, to be friendlier with myself or kinder to myself
1: and still trying to, you know, be mindful of the moment. Okay, so we also got this question from Nan, who's our listener, and she's wondering why meditation might be something to add into her own self-care routine, like her everyday habits. So first I want to know what your answer would be as a reporter who's covered this. And then I also want to know what your answer would be as someone who's done meditation a lot yourself. Well, I would definitely give two different
0: answers. So I'm glad you you posed it like that. As a health reporter, I would point to the piles of studies showing, you know, the benefits it can have for your your brain and body and very little negative side effects. I would say, why not try it with all this this evidence saying it could be so great for you. I guess as somebody who practices meditation, I would more say, for me at least, it's been helpful for cultivating a little bit different of a relationship with your mind and yourself, and being able to to just relate to some of the difficult stuff in your life a little differently. That can start to translate to your your everyday life. It'll happen sometimes for me in a, a conversation with someone. Maybe it's like a a difficult conversation or someone I have a difficult relationship with. And I'll just notice that I am able to like pause and have like a split second more time to like think about how I want to respond instead of just, you know, like the autopilot reaction that I might normally have just being able to like put down your thoughts about the past and the future and whatever story you're, mind happens to be spinning at that moment it's very freeing it's very hard to do and I definitely don't spend most of my day like that but having that capacity is is really it's definitely been helpful for me
1: we'll be back right after this quick break I find Carolyn's perspective fascinating since she's both a journalist and also a meditator. And I also wanted to get a little deeper into what building a meditation practice can look like. So I called up Christy Peoples. Christy is a bit of a Renaissance woman. She does a lot. One of her passions is working as a mindfulness meditation teacher based in Denver. Christy was really drawn to the spiritual aspects of mindfulness meditation. She's not a Buddhist, but her practice is rooted in the Theravada Buddhist tradition. When she started digging more into her study, she found that learning about those origins was a way of deepening her
3: practice. Understand what it is that that you're really seeking after and allow yourself to explore. Some traditions might resonate with you more than others. Some you might want to take the secular route or or have a few practices that you lean on but understand like where they come from and what they're informed by so that you do have a deeper understanding of what you're doing or like at least a, a frame of reference for what you're doing so that it feels more enriched for you rather than, okay, I'm just sitting here breathing, and I don't really know why or what it means. Christy was also
1: looking for community in her meditation practice. But at first, she didn't know what that looked like or where to find it. That's where Liberate comes in. Liberate was founded in 2019 by an entrepreneur named Julio Rivera, It was inspired by his own experience trying to meditate in white-dominated spaces in the U.S. Christy works as a community facilitator with the app.
3: Liberate meditation really serves a need in communities of color for people who are looking to step into a practice of meditation and to do so in a community of like-minded practitioners, of people of color, and, and to also receive that teaching and support from teachers who look like them. And so, you know, in some circles of meditation, despite the different disciplines of meditation or the different lineages or schools of meditation or practice, there are some some well-respected teachers who might dismiss the fact that people are different, that there are people of color, that there are brown and black people who have very different experiences from the dominant culture. And so often those, those needs and concerns and experiences get overlooked. And so what Liberate has done is stand in the gap where there has been for quite a long time an absence of a collective of teachers of color who are not only inviting folks in to learn how to practice meditation, to establish a meditation practice, but also to use these tools and resources provided through mindfulness and meditation to help folks address the concerns that are unique to that experience that don't get addressed in the dominant meditation circles. Things like microaggressions, internalized racism, legacies of slavery and the patriarchy, and depression and responding to, I mean, colorism. Any number of issues that are very significant and impactful on communities of color that don't get addressed in other places, Liberate has emerged as a wonderful resource for people to to really bring all of themselves. Because in spiritual practice, you know, you're bringing your full self and we, as unique individuals, are a collection of our stories and our histories and what we've internalized.
1: That's amazing. I mean, it sounds like it fills, as you said, such a gap. What does it look like in practice for a meditation to create space to process something like a microaggression?
3: Particularly for black folks, for people of color, you know, every time there is a shooting, there's violence, there's injustice, there's something that happens. In my own personal experience, sometimes I, you know, this is kind of an oxymoron, but I feel numb, <laughs> meaning. I don't even know what I feel anymore. I can't even, I can't process it. I don't know how to get at it. I don't, I can't, I just am, I am blocked, right? Because it's just all too much and I gotta keep the lights on. I gotta be able to get to my job and do all my things, right? But mindfulness and meditation, particularly breath meditation, you know how, how often the guidance is when your mind wanders, when you're feeling antsy and you want to leave emotionally, energetically leave and be somewhere else, bring your attention back to the breath, bring your attention back to your breathing. And what that does is when we can really center in to the breathing, it not only says to our brain, all right, We are safe. We're not in fight or flight mode. We don't have to run. Things are always going to be going on. There's always going to be noise. There's always going to be distractions and reasons why we can't give ourselves the time and attention that we deserve and that our practice deserves. But despite all that noise, we can still be, we can still keep that commitment that appointment with ourselves. You don't have to be by a babbling brook or on some mountainside and all that stuff. Now I I <laughs> I I have the the luxury of being near the mountains which I love so much, but you can do it anywhere on a busy street or whatever busy sidewalk, just walking very mindfully, noticing your feet hitting the ground, feeling the wind on your face, the sun on your skin really attuning to what's happening in your body at the moment.
1: Anything can be a meditation. I love that sentiment, and I think it might resonate for people who may have tried to be more rigid with their practice at first, like Carolyn did, and found that wasn't the right approach for them. Maybe your meditation practice doesn't look like sitting on a cushion for 20 minutes with a scented candle. Maybe it's really focusing on scents and sounds as you cook dinner. Or it's taking a walk in silence instead of while listening to music. Or maybe it's just sitting with an app. Figuring it out might be a continuous process. And even if it's not feeling great today, you can still choose to try it again tomorrow. That doesn't mean you're failing.
3: It's a good thing it's called a practice. It's not a perfect, it's a practice. (laughs) And you gotta keep coming back and back and back to it. And, and there's no guarantee that, oh, you, you do this for a couple of years and you won't have any more problems. You'll just be all totally chill all the time. That's not it at all. What it is, is about really developing the capacity to, to keep showing up, like even when it's hard, even when you have just a, a terrible day, even while you're a terrible experience, even while you're sitting in meditation. And so when you ask what it feels like, it depends on what day you catch me, (laughs) because sometimes it feels like, oh my gosh, I just got to, I got to get out of here. I got to 20 minutes sitting. I need to be at the grocery store. I got to go to this other place. I got to, okay, Let me just come back. I'm getting away from myself. Come back to the breathing. Oh, my foot hurts. My butt hurts. I'm I'm a loser. I didn't do this thing. My grocery, my to-do list. And oh, the one that got away. What happened to that guy way back when? (laughs) Oh, come back to the breathing. It's okay. It's okay. And so, you know, here again, it's not glamorous, but the more that we're able to come back and be with ourselves the more fulfilling and nurturing it is because we are with ourselves. And so sometimes meditation just looks like stillness, you know? So here again, like dismantling all these ideas about what meditation is. And I mean, don't don't get me wrong, a seated meditation practice, like every day is is great, right? To, to sit and to be still and to meditate for a set amount of time. Each day is awesome. But as you're doing that Goldilocks thing, trying to figure out what works for you, create spaces that invite you into that experience of stillness. Sometimes like, you know, a chair with a nice pillow at your low back is nice for just sitting and breathing for a few minutes and looking out the window. You know, so I incorporate all of that stuff, just kind of zoning out for a little bit and then the more formal seated meditation. So that's what, it looks like a a mix for me. And then also going out to the trails when I run and hike, I also have a sort of meditation that I go into there. Give yourself an array of, of ways to practice and to connect in to yourself while you're building this additional, you know, formal practice of being seated and silent.
1: After all of this incredible insight, I was still sitting here thinking about Nan, our listener who's interested in meditation, but doesn't know where to start or how to begin her journey. So I asked Christy
3: what advice she might give.
1: Begin
3: where you are. So I was rushing to get out of here to go to some appointment not that long ago. And so I had a bag in one hand and holding some shoes and trying to balance my hot tea and like then where are my keys? And then I still had to, I needed another three hands so I could get out the door and grab my other stuff too. <laughs> and so I caught myself cause I was so flustered and spun up into all of this, just anxiety of, I have to get out. I have to go. And I just, I said, Hey, just stop. And, and I, I put everything down and I just breathe for five seconds. Like, I want you to do that with me, too, right now. Like, and and if you're listening, I hope you're listening, questioner. But just like, just we're going to pause for five seconds right now and just a few deep breaths. Now that's five seconds. That is five seconds. Everybody has five seconds to take a few deep breaths. And that is what mindfulness is. It brings us right to that moment, to to now, right? And really getting in touch with that now. And so, When you can take five seconds to really just be still, that is an attunement, like attuning to what's going on with yourself. And it's really checking in with your breath and calming the body. Did you notice that quality of that five seconds,
1: right? Christy, thank you for giving me so much to think about this weekend. (laughs) I feel like I I need to figure out my way into meditation because I am very intrigued. Um, I really appreciate you sharing all of this. Thank you, and don't overthink it. I need to keep that in mind too. Maybe I'll meditate on that first. I hope that was helpful for you, Nan, and for anyone who's contemplating a meditation practice. I know that especially now, it's hard to be alone with yourself and your thoughts. So maybe try a moving meditation, try making cooking or eating dinner a mindful experience. You might end up finding the right practice for you and your lifestyle. Thanks so much for checking in. If you enjoyed this show, make sure to rate and leave a review. Also, be sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast app. It helps new listeners find us. You can find more information and references from this episode in our show notes. Follow Self on Instagram at Self Magazine and follow me at Zara Barnes. Checking In is produced by Wonder Media Network. Executive producer is Jenny Kaplan. Lead producer is Lindsay Crowdwell, And production assistant is Alessandra Tejeda. On the SELF team, our Director of Programming and Development is Sarah Yalowitz, our Digital Director is Amy Isinger, and our Researcher is Madeline Shire. From the Condé Nast Entertainment side, the Head of Production is Carrie Clayton, Executive Producer is Stacia Jones, and Senior Producer is Elon Schoonmaker. The theme music is by Biscuit and Butter, courtesy of Blaze LLC. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.